of Knives Out. I am your host, Gina Radcliffe, and back with me again is Park Parkinson. Hello. Park, how are you? Doing good. I enjoyed this Wonderful. minute. It's very pleasant. Uh, yes, we, it was, we. this is all delightful, old-timey cast paintings, uh, evocative of a movie that has been brought up a lot on, on this podcast, I'm sure, not just on my own previous minutes, but... Because it's unavoidable, uh, the movie Clue, which uh, I assume we will probably spend an inordinately large amount of time (laughs) this minute talking about. Um, But yeah, so you've got, um, we did accidentally um, in minute 126 leave off that uh, we do see, uh, not surprisingly, Daniel Craig is the first person uh, featured in the credit role, um, and then it and then this minute, it's pretty much the rest of the cast, um, even right down to supporting characters like 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 the great M. Emmett Walsh uh, and Frank Oz, who his painting looks disconcertingly like my boss, which I had, <laughs> I had to do a double take because that was pretty remarkable how much he looks like the man I work for. Um... So yeah, uh, we also forgot to mention this great Rolling Stones song playing. Um, oh yeah, Sweet playing Virginia. Over it. Yeah, it's called Sweet Virginia. Uh, I don't know if I'd ever heard it before. Uh, it's a it's a good it's a good match for this. It gives a little, little touch of Scorsese. Scorsese loves the Rolling Stones. I don't know if it's intentional. I like to pretend that it is. I mean, sure. <laughs> Why not? Brian Johnson's not here to say either way, so let's leave it at that. It's one of their more, one of their more country honky tonky songs. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's you would think it would it wouldn't be a a particularly good match for this, and yet I I find it it, it works in a in a you know oddly uh, charming way. Oh, it was in it was in Casino. Was it okay? Yeah, okay, Casino, well you're spot Casino on. Had a, Casino had a huge soundtrack, though. I think there was constantly music playing in the. In the I remember when that soundtrack came out. It was like a double CD. Yeah, it was. I I I do not know the the movie, but I know. I mean, Scorsese is very invested in his soundtracks, in any case, and likes to flavor them with lots of, you know, relevant pop music. So it is not. It's not like at all surprising. But I do recall there being a. It being a very dense. Yeah, it was it was just constantly playing in the background. So again, that there that that bolsters that bolsters my 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 uh, unlikely scenario that this was a, a tribute to Martin Scorsese somehow, even though Martin Scorsese is not known for <laughs> doing comedy murder mysteries. Yeah, not quite. So plot wise, I mean, there is no plot. The movie's over. <laughs> um, well, I guess know, I guess Goodfellas is kind of a comedy crime mystery. 
I mean, it's not. Uh, it's not. A, it's not a mystery. It's. Got, it's. Got, but it's funny. It's got funny. Moments. Yeah, I mean, it's a dark, dark. It's got some funny moments. Yeah. Yeah, very true. Very true. I think there are um, a lot of. There are definitely a lot of people who've tried to hit. Like I feel like. Uh, uh, what was um, very bad things, which is like one of my go-to oh. examples of just a terrible. I feel bad the whole time I'm watching it. Movie. Yeah. I feel like yeah. they try and hit some of that. Those some of those same like dark comedy crime notes, but like. From a point of view, or the the dudes are all total doofuses who get it over their heads, as opposed to they're actually criminals who who successfully do a crime together, um, but they suck it. It's 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 a really bad it's a really bad movie. Yeah, well, I, you know, they, as we record this, um, there it was announced today that they're they're going to be doing uh, Boondock Saints Part. Three. Oh God, yeah. And I, I was thinking that. about how, um, <laughs> in you know, in the wake of the success of Pulp Fiction, how in the mid to late '90s there was just this, you know, rash of you know these sort of very hip crime movies in which you know the protagonists are is, you know are, the protagonists are generally terrible people. You know, there's a lot of violence, a lot of you know, you know racism and homophobia, but yeah. it's all supposed to be very you know slick and artsy, and and I sort of feel like very bad things falls under that umbrella, uh, in which you know the audience is thinking, I don't know, I'm supposed to feel about these people. <laughs> yeah. Do I do I want them to get away with this? I don't think I want them to get away with this. Yeah, I thought they, they all wanted to. I mean, there were definitely had like a. 70s vibe to a lot of them and they just kind of took from Pulp Fiction but also sort of a I don't know kind of a, a, a noir callback to sort of like a Mike Hammerish detectives where they weren't likable people they weren't particularly good people um, I mean I to Ryan Johnson is right there Brick does that really well where you know, definitely there's a there's a detective protagonist who is very flawed. Um, but you're still kind of rooting for him. And there is also like there is a crumb of decency there. He's not a he's not an actual like he's, he's not really a, a villainous person. Uh, whereas like some of the earlier tech, like um, some of them were softened up for the screen for sure. Like Nick and Nora Charles were softened up for the screen. But like Mike Hammer is a total jerk. He is a terrible person in the <laughs> in the books and some of the movies. Uh, not like not like the Stacey Keach Mike Hammer, who is like are lovable, but like you know, uh, my favorite Mike Hammer quote is like, "I I live to kill so others can live." I mean, he's a real asshole, and <laughs> and they but and they were going for that. Like I like some of those are going for that. Um, yeah, well, yeah. that that's uh, that also that that circles back around to what we were saying in. Um, in the last episode about how goodness prevails in the end. And yeah. Yeah. You know, so you've got, it's, it's, you know, it, it, it seems like, you know, it, it could have very easily gone down that route of, you know, the only way you can win this game is to be is as ruthless as everybody else. And then it turns out that no, that's not the case. You've got, you know, a detective who, you know, seems like he, he's not as smart as he actually is and, and he uses that to his advantage because again these people because he's got this thick southern accent 
and you know he seems a little slow on the uptake of some things but what he's doing is he's he's carefully considering everything that's being told to him so you've got these people who are you know they constantly think they're one step ahead of them and they're not and then you've got marta who's just a, a inherently good person and in the end she's rewarded for that goodness oh just like um, they, they assume that he's dumb because he's southern they assume she's dumb because she's kind right and and, and not white so yeah you know, well yes it, and there's definitely like, yeah it's so they're yeah race is definitely a huge part right so they sure. they think that you know of course they think they can pull one over on these people they're they've been pulling one over on people their whole lives or at least benefiting from someone else pulled over up. Right, 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 <laughs> yeah. right. And I, and I don't even think they look at it specifically. I mean, they're not a bunch of con artists. I think they just look at it as, well, that's how life works. You know, I mean, you know, you know, we're the haves, you're the have-nots. Yeah. And that's just, you know, that's, that's nothing, you know, you didn't do anything bad. It's just the way life worked out. Yeah, again, you know, like, like you say, she's they we're, we're not actively hurting you. Right, 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 right. And I don't think that they, you know, look at it as being, you know, they don't think they're the villains. You know, they, they think that they're, you know, they're just, you know, they happen to be on the, you know, by by default on the side of good because they're the ones that have the money. And then, you know, obviously, of course, you know, those positions quickly change at the end of the movie. It's funny. I think, aside from Clue, most of the other... The other mystery comedies I know are, and I definitely, I mean, I've got a few. Like I, I do like the genre. I even, I, I do like some really bad versions. Like I, if you've seen Second Sight with John Larroquette. Oh my god! Um, I think I have. <laughs> it's not like it's not a good movie. I saw it. I was a kid in the eighties, and I didn't know what bad movies were really. Um, it's uh. Oh man, what's his who played Balky? Um, oh, Bronson Pinchot. Pinchot, thank you. Yes, Bronson Pinchot. He plays like a psychic, and John Larroquette is like a legit detective. And I loved, I loved, um, I loved Moonlighting when I was a kid. Um, and uh, uh, I mean, I I liked the Ace Ventura movies when I was a kid, and did not realize, you know, right, transphobic, I mean, but uh, yeah, and, and also some 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 not. Has not aged well going to Africa, um, but I and I joke interpretations of Sherlock Holmes, but they're usually like that. They're usually about detectives, and the detectives are making the jokes, and they're funny as opposed to the situation being inherently funny and the the protagonist being. It's almost this is almost a mix of like sort of a drawing room mystery, like a like an Agatha Christie. Um, mixed with like uh, like a Hitchcock um, man who knew too much or wrong man sort of movie right? Um, where they have to figure out how they can prove they're innocent and they're they're not detectives on purpose they're just shoved into it because of this which is more like Clue also and it was really nice to see that it was really refreshing it was different and yeah again I, I like I said before I don't know why there haven't been, or there there should. I would love, I would welcome an era of copycats of <laughs> more of this, please, more of the same. This is my jam. I really like it. Well, I, I, you know, one of the things I really appreciate about it is that it, you, know, it, it doesn't treat the audience 
like idiots. You know, it, it's you know, it, it kind of treats you know, the the viewer as you know, you're smart. You'll see what's happening here. Yeah. Without having to count, without having to carefully spell everything out. Yeah. Um, well, uh, as as I mentioned, um, Clue is inevitably brought up a lot on this show uh, because as everyone's go to for murder mystery comedies. Um, I, I know one that uh, stands out for me, although of course it runs into the same problem as uh, you know Ace Ventura is um, Murder by Death. Uh, yeah. Which regrettably has uh, Peter Sellers playing. Uh, I think he's supposed to be Charlie Chan. Yeah. If uh, yeah, and, I'm, and th- that's a little hard to watch now. Um, I mean, the rest of it is pretty okay. Uh, I mean, it's got some you know gender stuff that's not so good. You know, you know, you know, mostly that kind of you know inherent sexism of both the the genre and and just the seventies in general. You know, the, the 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 one huge black mark is you know basically this actor who's you know already known for not doing the most flattering caricatures of uh non-white people in, yeah. in yellow face but you know that aside it's it's pretty it's pretty amusing in in parts uh, my favorite part is you they just they got truman capote in it yeah <laughs> which, yeah which amazes me and he has this great like disco music flashing lights introduction which which i just i i just it, it just tickles me to no end it's it's not as satisfying as like as as a mystery like no like in terms of like if you're watching it to also enjoy the mystery aspect to watch things unfold it is funny if you are a mystery fan at all and to watch the different characters bump up against each other and some of their stuff like like uh uh, Peter Falk plays a Sam Spade, Philip Marlowe, um, uh, noir pulp detective, and like his sexism, you can really take as as satirical. You can take that as like commentary. Right, 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 right. Yeah. It's a it's a dig at the at, at the genre itself. Yeah, I feel like if if it were a little bit smarter, it could have done the same thing with Yellowface. Like it would be dangerous to do. It could have pulled like a uh, Tropic Thunder and really, really like, commented on how how that character was a Yellow Peril character and um, or how it related to that, you know, uh, and and how the many racist portrayals and the many white people who played um, Chan previously. Um, but it just, it, it, it was, it wasn't quite there. The, the year wasn't quite there that it wasn't quite that sharp, but it is, it is like, it's got really good jokes. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a fun, it's again, a fun movie. That, that, that glaring issue aside, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty funny movie, but you know, regrettably you could say that a lot about a lot of seventies and eighties comedies, but to bring me back again to, to clue is, even the reveal that Michael McKean's character is gay is, is it, it's not, it's going to sound stupid when I say this, it's not handled as badly as it would be in other, I mean, I think one person calls him a fruit at one point. And, and I mean, that's about as bad as it gets. But of course, you know, the punchline, you know, to the punchline is that he's pretending he's gay. Yes. So at you, the end you, is, I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. 
Right, exactly. Which is <laughs> which is funny. It it is. It's like it, it's funny. It was, it was amusing. It, it, his change from like into kind of like masculine bravado was was funny. Again, I feel like if you were doing that now, we can play that up a little more. You know, he could, he could literally end with "I'm gonna go home and sleep with my husband," and it could be like. You could you could work that into a joke just as satisfyingly funny as that line was, um, said with the same kind of like um, uh, justified smarm as he right. has when he says that, uh, and it would totally work. But yeah, again, it's and you could maybe throw in a Hoover joke in there if you really wanted to, though. But uh, yeah, but like you said, it, if you think about. 80s comedies in general <laughs> and their handling of gay characters of uh sexual situations like there's some there's some pretty gross behavior on the on the part of the men towards the women in here also but usually it's also uh, it's looked down upon the movie does not say it's okay no yeah, they're they're always treated as as, as sort of clownish in their in their advance in, in their advances yeah and then depending upon the ending, it sort of fits in with them being murderous. Right. Uh, they're they're all they're all entitled jerks. Not entirely unlike Knives Out. It is <laughs> it is a room full of people who are, you know, legitimately vulnerable and you and you feel for like they're going through something real, um, whether or not you know, how much of it is their own doing or deserved. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're people who are under, legitimately under pressure. Uh, and that is related to them being privileged jerks. Right. Who, who have no idea how the, the real world works outside of their, their own little bubble. Yeah. And how much the movie doesn't really care about the, the dead servants. I mean, I feel like that is, it is, uh, it is if it is offered up for commentary, it's not hard to ignore though. It's not that is not as upfront as Knives Out is very like clearly about class politics. I think the only spot in Clue that really gets that far out is when um when he's still being the butler, you know, Wordsworth says that uh his he and his wife were basically slaves for Mr. Body. They worked for no pay. Um, and they did whatever he said, no matter what, uh, to protect his wife, because she had some friends who were socialists and everyone is just like scandalized when he says yeah. it. I think the white offers him like a handkerchief and everybody else is just sort of looking, looking away from him. Like they're disgusted. Like, yeah. I love, um, <laughs> uh, um, God, uh, uh, Eileen Brennan's character, uh, she's, she, you know, she will basically later admit to murdering her husband and she's just like, oh my God, <laughs> he said that, like that, like that's just the, uh, oh, Mrs. Peacock, where that, that's like, that's Oh, like she's the, the senator's wife. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. She's, and it's like the most hard, that's like the most horrid <laughs> thing she could think of is, is they're communists. She's, she's been sliding, uh, uh, money under like a men's room door to pay off, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, scandal, you know, rumors. And, uh, and this is, this is too far. She's a, her husband is legitimately a traitor. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and, it's like, 
Yeah, it's all it's all compartmentalizing. <laughs> you know, they, they, she has to do that to you know because that's what you do when you're a senator's wife and and. Yeah, but communism—that's just beyond the pale. Yeah, just like just like the characters in *Knives Out*, the characters in *Clue* are—they live in their own little world, and they are, um, you know, uh, that's that that is the whole of their morality. That is, that is the, that is their bubble. But we're we're talking partly um, about Clue here I, because I think that we have covered the uh, the minute with all the paintings. Yeah, um, <laughs> I I, I say. If, if the paintings also want... reminded me of um, if you know the 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 uh, the mystery books by John Belairs. Uh, they're like kids mystery, and the illustrations are done by Edward Gorey. And oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, there is just a little bit of that flair here. Like they're not that stylized, and his are like they're not his best. I mean, I like them very much. They're not Gorey's best work, but there are a couple of images here in particular. Um, the one of like Edmund Walsh really reminded mm-hmm. me of an Edward Gorey drawing of a John Belair's character. He looks like cackling kind of evil and it's, <laughs> it's great. Um, yeah, I, I like that. I like that. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis has, she has a cigarette in her mouth because she's like never without a cigarette during the entire movie. It might like, be I think the, hers. Might the, be last the, shot best. Of her, the, the last shot of her, she's got the cigarette. Yeah. Hers might be the best like does the best job of capturing the character. If you're if you're not currently watching this movie, go look for the Jamie Lee Curtis picture, the Jamie Lee Curtis painting from Knives Out. I think the only honestly flattering one is Daniel Craig. Yeah. Um, and then Jamie Lee Curtis looks like that artist really captured something in there. Uh it it's a really great look. I should we should also mention we're talking about murder mystery comedies. The one that this is the most like, like this reminded me of Clue a lot, is A Simple Favor. Mm. If you've not seen A Simple Favor, it also has someone who is really caught up in someone else's plot and um, and has to figure their way out. It's more Hitchcockian. This is more, leans into the more like drawing room mystery stuff, which I love and it, it's one of my favorite movies now and civil favor is more like what if hitchcock was funny um more that side of it and they're more like more twisty reveals believe it or not i have not seen that one yet it is on my it is on my ever-growing list of of movies that i need to watch i would say that i mean and that came out i think the year before this um i don't i would not say it was an inspiration because they're too close and in the ways that Knives Out is brilliant, I think, is are not the ones that are mostly shared. But it does also have a kind of naive protagonist. The difference is she's sort of like rising middle class. Um, who is like enamored of her of her super rich friend. Um, and she like she wants to be an influencer. But there is there is something similar there in sort of having like a like a young, naive protagonist. She's played by um, uh, uh, Anna Kendrick, mm-hmm. and and then also it's got Blake Lively. You know, I've I've heard good things. I just I just have not my 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 list grows long. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, the more movies you like, the more you have to see, and then exactly. Uh, yeah. 
All right. Well, thank you, Park. Uh, you did mention in our last episode that you have guested on other podcasts. You want to mention a couple of them? Uh, you know, I should the the one that is um, the one that I have uh, podcast my guested on recently is uh, Doctor Who's That. Um, sorry, uh, Doctor Who's That. Uh, join Sean and Bay and Andy as they wash through all of Doctor Who. They started the first serial in 1963, and they're now well into that. Uh, I am on uh, some recent episodes that came out in September on Myth Makers, where uh, Doctor Who goes to the Iliad, uh, which was a good time. And yeah, it's a very fun podcast. If you're all of Doctor Who, um, it's got a combination of people who have watched the show from the beginning and loved it, just got into the show recently through this podcast, and are and some who are more fans of like new Doctor Who and haven't watched the classics. So it's a good mix. And if you are interested in going through or listening maybe on episodes instead of going through, check it out. Lots of behind the scenes information too. It's a good time. Excellent. Um, you can uh, rate and review us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter under Knives Out Minute. Or uh, if you want to keep listening to us, you can subscribe uh, to us on the uh, podcatcher of your choice. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. And uh, once again, thank you, Park. I've been Gina Radcliffe, and talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.